For those of you who don't know me, uh, my name's Anne, and I'm the vicar here, and I have two cats who are called Turry and Tummel. And Tummel is the one who brings me live frogs, <laughs> who I then rehome to my neighbor's pond. I just hope it's not the same frog being brought round <laughs> on a circuit. Anyway, there we are. Uh, <laughs> I rescue them into my shower, just for those of you thinking, hey, anyway, there we are. You can ask me afterwards all about that. Very exciting. Um, I had great fun this week. Uh, we started an alpha in my home, and uh, we had a small group of people exploring what uh, questions about faith in Jesus and eating some great food, and it was a lot of fun. So that's the thing that I've been giving thanks to God for, for what he's doing. Uh, we are in a series which is called uh, Followers of Jesus, People of the Spirit. We're looking at the Holy Spirit, and today we're looking at the spiritual battle. And I think if you... Ooh, hello. That might have been me. Spiritual battle. Let's just see if that's... Spiritual battle and the microphone doesn't work. It's very obvious. Obvious of Satan, really, is it? I mean, goodness me. There we are. We'll try that, see if that works for a little bit. If not, I'll go handheld. Uh, okay, great. Thanks, Tom. Right, we need Bibles for this. So uh, either on your phones or get a hard copy. You won't get distracted by a text message. Um, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, uh, 10, verse, uh, 10 through to 20. Great. Here we go. So this is uh, Paul finishing off his letter to the church in Ephesus and the churches all the way around Asia uh, that had been impacted by his ministry in Ephesus. And this is how he closes out his letter. Verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly, heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What a great way to finish off this letter. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Another way of translating this is to say, from now on, 
Go on being strengthened in the Lord. From this point, people in Ephesus and the churches in Asia, go on being strengthened in the Lord. And it's always good when you see one of Paul's letters to go back to uh, that encounter in Acts which describes when he first met the church in Ephesus. So I'd really encourage you during this week to read Acts chapters 19 and 20. It's a short read, it's a very exciting read. So Acts chapter 19 and 20, and you'll read about Paul's first encounter with this church. It was a an incredible ministry that he had there. He had three months of teaching in the synagogue and then a further two years in the hall of Tyrannus. And uh, Luke in Acts 19 records, so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. So this letter isn't just to the churches in Ephesus, the communities there, it's to the communities of churches all the way out through Asia. And how did this church start? Well, Paul traveled there with Priscilla and Aquila, his tent-making colleagues, as well as church-planting colleagues. And he met disciples there. And he asked them a direct question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. And Paul was like very surprised and said, well, whose baptism did you go with? And the disciples there said, well, it was John's baptism. And Paul explains that John's baptism was for repentance. And what they needed was the next stage of repenting and believing in Jesus Christ. And then and there, they committed their lives to Jesus. And they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Luke records that they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So they experienced the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. And so far in this series, which is a series of three, we talked initially about baptism, the way the Holy Spirit confirms our identity, confirms our inheritance as who we are as children of God. That's who followers of Jesus are. And then, two weeks ago, we heard about our reliance on the Holy Spirit. And those disciples in Acts chapter 19 experienced personally the Holy Spirit's power at work and saw an extraordinary level of power at work through Paul, again by that same Holy Spirit. Luke records in verses 11 and 12 of Acts chapter 19 that Paul gave people handkerchiefs and aprons and they took those handkerchiefs and aprons and took them to people who were ill and those people were healed. And Luke says those were extraordinary miracles. Now, handkerchiefs and aprons, that's probably what Paul was using as he tent made, made tents with Priscilla and Aquila. You know, in the heat of the day, he'd be wiping his brow, you know, he'd have his apron for all that. All of his teaching at the Hall of Tyrannus would be very early in the morning, and then he'd be working in the tent making. So they're taking things from his workplace and taking them to people to be healed. Hmm. What do you have in your hand in your workplace? Well, I mean, I'd love to send an email that has that effect on somebody's life. I mean, that's the level of extraordinary power that's at work through Paul. I've got a long way to go to get to anywhere close to that. But I'm going for it. Join me in that. We need the Holy Spirit's power, don't we? And at the very beginning of this book, Ephesians, Paul says this, 
I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. The start of the letter, he's reminding them of their inheritance and that same power that raised Christ from the dead. And he finishes the letter to them with the same emphasis as his parting words to the elders of the church in Ephesus when he met with them face to face in Acts 20. He said to them then, keep watch and stand guard. So how does he end this letter? He says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Keep alert Keep alert, keep praying, stand firm. And he's writing in the plural you. Our language lets us down, our you is either singular or plural, but this is a plural you. So he's writing to communities. It's like me writing to our Barnabas communities here, meeting out all over the city. It's a you, it's people in community that he's writing to. He's writing to households as well as to the gathered people on Sundays to worship. So as we go through what Paul is saying here, keep in mind that this is to communities of people that he's writing to. And in verses 11 through to 13, he describes the spiritual battle. And he says, take your stand. This battle imagery... Well, that is right at the forefront of our thinking, isn't it? With Remembrance Sunday today and the ongoing wars in the world, both close at hand, as in the Ukraine, and further afield, as in Myanmar and other places. Daily, on news feeds, we see physical battles and war from all over the world. And it's cl- these wars are the clearest evidence to me that there is evil in the world. And that the devil's actions are like the thief that Jesus mentions in John 10.10. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Paul's assertion to his readers, treat the spiritual battle as real as the physical battle. And it's quite clear from Acts 19 that there was a significant spiritual battle going on in Ephesus. John Stott says, Paul supplies us with no biography of the devil, no account of the origin of the forces of darkness. Paul assumes their existence as common ground between himself and his readers. In any case, Paul's purpose is not to satisfy our curiosity, but to warn us of their hostility and teach us how to overcome them. So it's vital as followers of Jesus to know that we're people of the Spirit, that the power that we have is the same power that raised Christ from the dead, and that power is available to us by the Holy Spirit in confronting the enemy in the spiritual battle. And the way that Paul describes this is by putting on armour and by taking our stand. And the soldiers that would have been in Paul's mind at that time would have been Roman soldiers. They 
had conquered all of, Ro- of Paul's world in that time. And it would have, he was bound in chains in a prison and there were soldiers on guard over him. And it would have been in his thoughts that the, that the soldier to whom he was bound, he would have, his thoughts would have sw- switched from that to the heavenly warrior to whom his life was linked by more real than invisible bonds. So here we have a look at a Roman soldier of this time. And this is a Roman soldier taking his stand. And we're going to go through each piece of the armour. And I want to ask you this question at the start of this. As I go through each part, piece of the armour, I mean, we all have to put on all the armour on, but as I describe each piece, which part of the armour described to you today, described today, do you need to put on? Which piece is the one that the Holy Spirit's saying, oh, I need more of that? Okay, so be thinking about that as I go through these. So the first one that Paul describes is the belt of truth. And he says, put it on, put on the armour of God. There's an active choice here. And what's uh, important about the belt of truth is, as you can see from this picture, it holds everything together. The soldier would be pretty embarrassed if the belt wasn't there. I won't go on anymore. It's before the nine o'clock watershed. And the belt of truth is truth with a big T and truth with a small T. So truth with a big T, that is the truth of the gospel. Again, at the beginning of Ephesians, Paul says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. That big truth, the gospel truth, confounds the lies of the enemy, the devil, who's the great deceiver, who's the great accuser. So that's the big truth that we're buckling around our waist. And the small truth, sorry, the small T on the beginning of truth, well, that's sincerity and integrity in the individual. That's how we live our, try to live our lives, not giving the devil a foothold, but having integrity, living from a place of truth. Okay, let's move on to the breastplate of righteousness. And again, if we take righteousness with a big R, that's the righteousness that Jesus has won for us on the cross. We are now in the deepest, most intimate relationship with God. And then it's putting on righteousness with a small r, how it applies to us personally, living in the light of that. Righteous living of character and of conduct. Living moral, biblical lives. Now, I want to draw our attention now to Isaiah 59. And it will probably be helpful for you to turn to that. It's a prophet in the Old Testament, uh, just about the middle of the Bible. So Isaiah chapter 59. And I'm going to read verses 15 to 17. The prophet says, Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that, was, that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him, 
and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. I had uh, always thought, oh, thank you, Joe. Yeah, that's up on the, the screen there. You know, I'd always thought with this arm of God that, you know, kind of God gave those things to us as gifts. But as I uh, studied for this morning, the commentators drew me to Isaiah 59 to describe that actually God has righteousness on him. He puts that armor on. So we're sharing God's armor with him. So when it's put on the armor of God, it's put on God's armor. He wears it and we wear it. I mean, that's incredibly powerful. And the type of things that are described there by the prophet that God is confronting are things that we want to confront in our world as well, aren't they? We want to see justice come. And that can only come through our Lord Jesus Christ and us being empowered by the Holy Spirit, putting on the armor of God. And I am sure that Paul, who knew the Old Testament inside out, as he was speaking of the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation, would have been thinking of Isaiah 59. And thinking about that armor of God being our armor. Okay, let's move now to the feet, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Paul had in mind here the half-boot of the Roman legionary, well, it's likely that's who he had in mind. I haven't asked him personally. So it's likely that's who he had in mind. And that half boot equipped the soldier for long marches and gave the soldier a solid stance, a firm foundation. So that's why with different translations of the Bible, you'll get two translations of this. You'll either get uh, from the New English Bible, let the shoes on your feet be the gospel of peace to give you a firm footing. Or you'll get something like the Good News Bible. The shoes are his readiness to announce the good news of peace. So it's that combination of the shoes are stabilizing us and they're also giving us the opportunity to, to be ready to speak. And I think that particular translation carries with it the echoes of Isaiah 52 verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news who proclaim peace, who publish good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who to say to Zion, your God reigns. Are you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace? Let's get our shoes on. And then, in addition to all of this, we need the shield of faith. And this is a full-length shield. And we use this to put out the fiery darts of the evil one. The shields in those days were, were leather but soaked in water. So fiery darts could be put out. And those fiery darts could be worrisome thoughts or temptations or outright lies from the devil that are thrown at us. Now, as individuals... It's really important that if we know there's a kind of repeating lie going on in our mind or a repeating sin, that we share that with at least one other person. And that's so the person can speak truth back to you. If it's a lie, I mean, I heard somebody this week say to me that they weren't righteous, and yet I know they follow God. So that means undoubtedly they're righteous because Jesus had made them righteous. So I was able to speak that truth to them. 
And then they were able to say to me, yes, that's right. So they took that truth on, but they said in an area of their life, they weren't behaving in a, in a good manner. So they told me that, and then I was able to pronounce forgiveness over them, and they were set free of that too. That's how we can use the shield of faith to put out the fiery darts, and we can do that in community, talking with each other and seeing that come through. So that's one aspect of the shield of faith, is putting out the fiery darts. The other aspect, again, comes together in community. And we're going to see three slides of how the Roman army locked their shields together. This is them in a defense position. They're waiting for the... Um, oh, hang on, that, thank you. They're waiting for the onslaught. And they have locked their shields together, standing together, so that the fiery darts, the attack, cannot get through. Sorry, go back one for me, Joe. That'd be great. So this one, they're coming out on an attack here. So when they've locked their shields together, that's making sure the fiery darts come through in defense, and then an attack, they're going forward. And we're going to end on a defensive position here. And this is a circle. And this was the way that the Roman army managed to defeat armies that had, were much bigger numerically than themselves because they locked their shields together. What a great image for us. As we're in communities together, as we come together in households of faith, as we come here this morning, we lock our shields together. We support each other. I'll come back to this later when we're talking about prayer at the end of this passage. Then we have the helmet of salvation. And again, that references that Isaiah 59 passage that I read. And we have this combination of the now the salvation that we've already received, forgiveness, deliverance from Satan's bondage and adoption into God's family. And then the future, that confident expectation of full salvation on the final day. And we can hold our heads up in confidence and joy of the reality of our salvation. I love the fact the helmet is on our head. We can be the, the Lord is described in the Psalms as the lifter of our head. And it's that which is around us, that salvation around us. We can lift our heads to God. And then we have the sword of the Spirit, which is described as the Word of God, the Word being the Gospel. And again, the sword is used in defense and attack. We can use the sword to resist temptation, that's defense, and we can use the sword to share the Gospel, that's attack. Asking God to give us the words, asking the Holy Spirit to give us words that bring breakthrough into people's lives. So I want to give you just a moment now to reflect on those pieces of armor that I've described. Which one of those is the one that this morning you think, yes, I want more of that in my life? As you look at this soldier... Just take a moment, reflect, and if it's easier for you just to talk with somebody near you to find out what you're thinking, that's like me, I would need to talk with somebody to find out what I'm thinking, then turn and just say, which, which piece of the armor is the one that you're thinking, yeah, I need more of that in my life? Take a moment to do that now. So you'll see from this picture that the posture of the Roman soldier is to stand. 
And Paul repeats and repeats and repeats, take your stand. After doing everything, stand. Stand firm then. And then in the final few verses that we read, which are absolutely linked to this image of the armor, it's and pray in the spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. The prayer, everything that we've heard of and putting the armor on, prayer is the key part of all of this as it all comes together and pray. So it's the continuation of the previous theme. Along with standing and putting on the armor of God, it's praying. And the repetitive word here is all, all, all. All kinds of prayers and requests. Now, how do you pray? Often I'll pray sitting. Sometimes I'll get down on my knees and pray in an attitude of humility before God. But often I will stand and I will invite people to stand with me. And it's often when I spot there's something going on in the spiritual battle that I want to say to people, let's take a stand against this. So, for example, the war in Ukraine was a time that during our prayer meetings and in star, uh, prayers at nine o'clock in the morning, which is with the staff team, that everybody's welcome. I'd say to people, let's stand together against this. And that for me is taking a posture of this is something to pray about in the spiritual battle. I'll also do that when I'm praying with somebody, perhaps somebody who, well, I have just done this recently, somebody who I know is suffering with cancer. I'll say, I want to stand with you in the battle. I'm locking my shield with yours, and I'm asking God to bring healing against this evil illness. And in the build-up to the Night of Light, uh, which we had uh, a few, yeah, just a few days ago, you know, we stood together to pray because we were clearly giving an alternative message of gospel hope. In the face of the darkness of Halloween, we wanted to bring a, a night with plenty of light. And that's what we did the day before Halloween and invited people into that. So those are all things where I'd stand in the battle. And sometimes we don't know what to pray, do we? So that's why praying in the Spirit at all times and all occasions is so important. Paul describes in Romans 8, verses 26 to 27, how the Spirit helps us in our weakness when we don't know what to pray. But the Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. So as we live in the Spirit, grace will be given for us to watch, to keep alert, and to have power to continue in prayer. And then Paul ends asking for personal prayer. Specifically, he asked that he would fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Now, I think this is a massive encouragement to all of us, that Paul, who to my reckoning was never short of a word or two, if you read about Paul, you'll just see he always had something to say, didn't he? And he's written lots of letters. Always had something to say. But he's saying, actually, I'm sitting in a prison, I'm an ambassador in chains, I'm under guard, but I want to speak fearlessly of the gospel. Pray for me in this. Ask the Holy Spirit to give me breakthrough in this. Are you in a situation in your workplace or your neighborhood where you're feeling like that ambassador in chains, where you're thinking, 
I don't have the freedom to speak of my faith. Well, ask people around you to pray for you. If Paul can ask for prayer, we can, can't we? And it's Holy Spirit who brings the breakthrough to us. It's Holy Spirit who gives us the courage. And it's good to have people alongside us praying. You know, while this Alpha course is going on, there's a team with me during the day. Um, There's lots of things going on. But there's also a prayer team praying for everything that's going on with the Alpha course. Everything we need to do needs to have prayer around it. And I think once again, this Isaiah 59 gives an important link to this. Why is Paul asking for prayer? For the words that he's spoken to be spoken fearlessly? Well, verse 21 of Isaiah 59 says this. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you. And my words that I've put in your mouth will always be on your lips, on the lips of your children and on the lips of their descendants from this time on and forever, says the Lord. That's Paul's number one prayer. Not that he's released from jail in this occasion, but that he can fearlessly proclaim the gospel. We're going to move now into a time of response. And during this time of response, you'll be given the opportunity to get prayer for the piece of armor that you identified that you really want this morning to be prayed for as you come. But I'd also encourage you that in community, either in your households or in your Barnabas communities, if you've got lies of the enemy going around your head, persistent worries you haven't shared with anyone else, or a repeating sin that you haven't shared with at least one other person, then do that. Share it with one other person and allow them to speak truth into your life. And then the other aspect of being in community together in the spiritual battle is this locking shields together. Can you think of someone where you know support is needed at this moment? Standing with that person in prayer is so important. It may be that I, as you heard about Paul's prayer, about speaking fearlessly, that you thought, oh, I want to have that courage, that boldness to make the gospel known, to bring the good news in the place where I work, the place where I live, among the people that I play sport with. And at the moment, you're feeling intimidated and it feels like a place where you're in chains. Well, come forward for prayer at the time you're invited to get that breakthrough where God's love casts out fear. But where we're going to start with our time of response is to ask the Holy Spirit to empower us with the good news of the word of the gospel. So I'm going to invite Rachel and the band up, and Rachel is going to lead us in our first response song. And I want all of us to, in this first part of the response, to do what we're encouraged to do in this, work, in this passage. Church, let's stand. Let's stand together in the battle. Let's stand together. And I'm going to be praying for us now Be strengthened in the Lord and in his mighty power. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit as we sing this first respond song to do that specific work to strengthen us in the power of the Lord, in his mighty power. So come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.
come. Come and strengthen us. Sweep through us now. Come and bring that mighty power, that same power that raised Christ from the dead. Break off chains in our lives. Bring the truth of what Jesus has done to work in our lives. Break the lies of the enemy. Come, come, come. Fill us with the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are welcome. As we sing this first song together, invite the Holy Spirit to come into your life. Come, Holy Spirit.